Stan, would you please? Let's sing our theme, theme song. Far down the ages now, much of a journey done. The pilgrim church pursues her way until the crowd be Father, that's our heart this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to the person of Christ Jesus. And Lord, help us as ambassadors sent forth into the foreign field with the plague of sin. Help us to represent the kingdom of heaven. Father, there are so many distractions in our life, in this world, be it sports, technology, trucks and cars, everything you can imagine, Lord, to take our focus off of you and God, 
This morning I, I asked for, Lord, just a new strength in every one of our hearts this morning to keep our focus. Have a single eye focused on you, Father. Thank you for the presence of your spirit here this morning in this solemn moment. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, would you do as I know that you will. You promised you will never leave us nor forsake us. Where two or three are, there you are. I know you're here this morning. Bless us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Remain standing. Let's say the... um, the Shema is what I call it uh, in, in, in English. <laughs> Say it after me. Hear, O Israel. Hear, o Israel. The, Lord the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And thou shalt love thy neighbors as thyself. Amen. You may be seated. Brother John, he may uh, sometime... That scripture that says, on these two hang all the laws and the prophets, sometime uh, I would like to hear you uh, explain that. How all the law and the prophets hang on these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we would do that, those two, we wouldn't have any problems. Well, this morning, uh, what I (coughs) felt the Lord asking me to share this morning, I don't know, you may call it a uh, history lesson. Um, We will be focusing in on a, actually two men, this morning that... It's, I'll just leave that on. It's a man that we very seldom fo- focus on. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that's one person we want to focus on this morning. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. That's the second person we want to focus on this morning. There's a reason why Matthew puts this in here as parallel. Jesus and Herod. Now, before I studied this Hebrew culture, I never knew Herod. I never knew what kind of man that Herod was. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25, verse 30. Genesis 25, verse 30. It's a story of Jacob and Esau. Esau came in from from the field, and you know the story. He was hungry. It says, And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee. With the same red pottage, for I am faint, I am weary, I am weak. Therefore was his name Edom. 
Remember Edom. Turn to Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 through 19. This is Balaam talking here. And he says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Both of those are symbols of loyalty. The scepter and the star. And shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Edom shall be a possession of the scepter and the star out of the line of Jacob. Now we all know, know the story of how Jacob and Esau were born. It was prophesied that the younger will serve the elder. Okay, and there's also one in Obadiah 17, I won't turn, turn to it, that says the same, same thing. About how Edom shall be smitten. Now, I never knew, knew this until I started studying that Herod's father was from Idumea which is the New Testament way of saying Edom. Herod was from the line of Esau. And Jacob and Jesus was from the line of Jacob. So you see that prophecy fulfilling there. And I believe Matthew, there's a reason why Matthew put Jesus and Herod Jesus was born in the days of Herod the king. <coughs> now, before I start here uh, to go into this, I want to, lay, to give you a, it may end up being long, I don't know, a history of the Jews. Where does Herod come from? Now, I don't know how you all feel, but I feel history is very, very, very important in the church. Because one thing I learned from history is we never learn from history. Okay? History repeats itself. So I, well, history, if you split it up, is what? It's his story. Whose story? History is a story of God's church. Well, and you can go to secular history too, but that's the way I... I love to study history, and, and, and so I want to lay a foundation for you here this morning of where Herod came from. In 586 B.C., the, the uh, Jews, Judah, was, was, um, was cap captured by B Babylon, and then they returned, but they were still under the reign of, of Persia when they came back. In 337 B.C., Alexander the Great came through and conquered Judah. And Alexander the Great introduced what I call the Greek thinking. He came through and he built gymnasiums. 
he built theaters, he built stadiums, and his focus was on you. If I'm right, Alexander the Great is the one that quoted, give me sports, give me music, and give me education, and I'll change the whole world. I may be wrong, wrong there, but I think that was him. I tried to find, find, find that. John, would you know? I think it was him, and that's what he got. He got education, he got music, and he got sports. And he built theaters, gymnasiums, and stadiums all over the Middle East. Now, I want you to do, to, 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 to do something when, when you come home. Go to Webster's, Noah Webster's the Dictionary, and I believe this works with, with anyone, because, but I, I always use his. And look up the word gymnasium. Look at what that word means. And then we hear of people building gymnasiums onto the church. And it was introduced by Alexander the Great. Gymnasium, gymnasium means the place of nakedness. And in the ancient Greeks, they, about all of their sports was performed in stark naked. Because their focus was them, the body, and the best way to, to perform to the fullest is if your body was naked. And it, you know, if, if you stop and think, that's, a lot of times that's close to being true in 2010. Alexander died, and his generals divided the kingdom up in four parts. Now, I'm only going to talk this morning on two. He divided his kingdom up into four parts, but we only need two. The Ptolemies got e e Egypt to the south, and the, 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 the Seleucids got Asia Minor, which would be uh, Turkey now. Um, and I think, they, I think at that time they, they had Rome. Israel was right in between those two. And the Ptolemies ruled Judah, and they were lenient with the Greek view. They wanted to establish it, but still they, they, didn't, they didn't force the Jews to follow that. I mean, they were, give the calf enough rope, it'll hang, hang, it'll hang itself. That's the view they had. You know, just bring it into and, and see how great it is. Um, they were very, very lenient with, with the Jews. But in, in uh, 198 B.C., the Seleucids, now they were from the same kingdom to start with, the, the Ptolemies and, and the Seleucids, the Seleucids defeated the, 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 the Ptolemies. Now, the Seleucids ruled Judah, and the Seleucids were brutal. They said, you will buy into this Greek view or you're dead. Now remember, this was just after, not long after the children of Israel came back. Well, maybe 200 years. But, and they said, if you don't follow the Greek view, we're going to... It was, it was some severe, so, so severe persecution. If, 
if, if they were caught doing circumcision to their b- b- babies on the eighth day, that baby was, 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 was taken from them and cut in half right in front of them with a big sword. Because you will not follow the God you always followed. You're going to follow Alexander. And if they were caught observing the Sabbath, they would take them and they would take a big sword and lay them down and cut them from the neck all the way down to their legs, move over about an inch and do the same thing and take a hold of that skin and peel it off. Fillet them. That's the persecution the Jews were under if they didn't buy into this Greek view. Hundreds of thousands of Jews died because of of them. This persecution became so brutal and intense that in 167 B.C., a young man by the name of Judah Maccabees said, This is enough. We will not take this any longer. And he rose up, and in some miraculous way, defeated them. And all of a sudden, the Jews had the power back. And persecution was stopped. Hence, for the, they have a feast now called uh, Hanukkah, in, in commemoration of Judah Maccabees freeing them from, from that, that, that severe persecution. The Maccabees were from the tribe of Levi. Now remember what the law said about the tribe of Levi. They shall not be kings, they shall not lead, they shall be the priests. But they still ruled. The first two Maccabees were godly. They, they followed God, but the third bought into the Greek worldview that, that, they, that they had around them for years, and he bought into that. Now, this was a Jewish leader, done the same thing. He built a gymnasium by the temple on the Temple Mount, close to it. He built a gymnasium. And this split the Jews... Because some of them followed him and some of them said, no way, we cannot do that. That is forbidden. That's where we get the Pharisees and the Sadducees from, from that split. Sadducees said, oh, we love it. We love running water. We, we love mosaic floors. We love playing sports. We, we love it. So they bought, that's why Herod had the Sadducees in charge of the temple. Because they bought into his view then, later on. And this split them. Now, the last Maccabee, the fourth Maccabee that ruled, was a woman named Miriam. Miriam, she was king of the Jews, and also ruling as the high priest. That's how corrupt they were. She was ruling as a high priest. 
And the Sadducee said, that's okay. Her uncle tried to take her place, tried to fight, fight, fight her and get her place. She went to Idumea to the king for help. And she said, look here, I am, I am a king and I am the high priest and my uncle is trying to take my place. Would you come and help me? <coughs> and the Idumean, now I don't know how this happened. Uh, maybe he swung a deal w with her. I don't know. But he said, I have two sons. And if you, let my, if you give two sons part of your land, I will help, help you. And he, this man from Idumea, actually became king and Miriam the Maccabee became queen. And his two sons, were they got a southern part and the northern part. His one son's name was Phaziel. He got Samaria. And Herod got Galilee. And Herod was 20 years old when, when that happened. Now the Jews had a king who was not really a Jew. And they were infuriated. How can a king rule us, be over us, if he's not one of us? In 41 BC, the Roman commander Pompey came Without a fight, now you don't ask me how this happened. Did he just walk in? Did, 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 did Herod's dad and Herod and, and Phaziel, did they see that he had the, the, the power just to wipe them out? I don't know. But he conquered Judah without a fight. And Judah, Israel, became Roman. But he picked Herod, Pompey picked Herod as the king of the Jews now. To be over them. Let me tell you a little bit about Herod. Herod was the representative of Rome in Israel. Herod knew that the people despised him. His income, Herod the, in, Herod the income, Herod the Great's income was a hundred times the gross national income of his nation. Now imagine Bill Gates, the United States here. Imagine, I mean, in comparison, Bill Gates would have mowed his lawn with a real mower. That's the comparison. Herod's income annually was a hundred times the gross income of his nation. It was, he, he had, and then the Romans asked him to go fight the Parthians, and Herod was very, very brutal. He slaughtered them all. Didn't leave one. When he left to go fight them, he had a wife, actually he had more than one, but here's the one wife named Miriam. But it wasn't, 
his stepmom, the one that became queen, the Maccabee. This was someone else. He had a wife named Miriam. And he was afraid that she would have an affair with someone else when he was gone. So he put somebody else... I mean, this is how he thought. This is what... He, he was so consumed with himself and his kingdom that he, he, he'd done some of the most weirdest things you can imagine. He put people in charge to watch his wife. And he told them to tell... To, to, if he dies in war fighting the Parthians to kill her too. Because he did not want anybody else to have her. He loved her immensely. I, mean, I don't know how, how it happened, but he said kill her too. Well, he went and slaughtered them all, came back, and Miriam said, uh, Herod, why did you tell them to kill me if they kill you? And Herod imagined that someone might have had an affair with her while he was gone, or she wouldn't have found that out. So he took her to one of his five palaces called Masada, and he had a meal. And when the first, when the first course was served, he had a he had a uh, like a snare around her neck, and as every course was served, he had one of his servants tighten that thing up. And by the time the meal was over, she was dead. That's Herod. Okay. His two sons were men of. Men, I mean, they were very smart. They were not like his dad. And he was afraid that they would rise up someday and take his place. He was very concerned about his seat, about his who he is, king of the Jews, representative of Rome. He was very concerned about that. So he had his two sons put... In a, I call it a human, a human roaster, that it was on a, a, a pole suspender over an open fire. And he had a meal, the same way with his wife, had a meal. And as every course was served, he would get his servants to lower that, and his two sons were fried. And that's how they died. And 200 people, he found out later, said, that was awful. And he had his servants kill those 200 because they thought that was awful. That's Herod. Anybody who threatened his seat was killed without even asking a question. The killing of the babies in Bethlehem was so minor Josephus never even writes one inch about it. I mean, that was minor. Imagine the impact. Imagine the impact of that story 
When Jesus, when the wise men came to Herod and said, we came to seek the king of the Jews. Imagine. And it says he was disturbed greatly. I can understand that. Because that's Herod. He said, and then they, uh, that's a long, uh, a long story, and we will g- g- get to that if we have time. Um, I want to show you some of the things Herod did. Every single thing that Herod did, in our eyes, or in the eyes of the scholars, defied nature. I mean, in, well, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. This is his palace in Jerusalem, called the Antonia. If you look, the palace is right there by number eight. Or number eight is it's it's on the on the north side of the Temple Mount. <coughs> there were stones in the Antonia, big rocks. There were they were forty six feet long. I forget now, but I think it was like 14 feet square. Rocks. And they come from a quarry, had to be eight miles away. And every single one of those rocks weighs 500 ton. Now, how did Herod move them? They say there's only, only one or two ship cranes that have the ability today to lift those rocks. They are so big. How did Herod move those? He had royal uh, apartments in, in there. He had a fortress for his personal guards. I mean, everybody hated him. He had guards all, all around him. He had fountains, water fountains. Uh, there were g- gardens there um, it was it, it, he had every, everything and baths he had hot running water there he had a greek theater there paved streets and sewers and running water You go to Israel today, about every turn you make, you find ruins of Herod. It's, Herod is everywhere. This town here is called Caesarea. And many things happened in Acts from here. Now here in Caesarea, in 22 B.C., Herod poured concrete a hundred foot deep in the Mediterranean Sea. And it's still there. How did he pour hundred foot deep? He had an amphitheater there and a theater, a temple to Caesar. I'll show you. Here's, here's more of his ruins. That's what, that's what they look like now. 
It's enormous. He had an aqueduct that brought water from hundreds of miles away. Everything Herod did was huge. And this is still the theater that's there to this day. Looking out over the Mediterranean Sea. Nearly every inch of that city was covered with imported marble. Hippodrome was there. One of them oblong horse horse race looking things where they uh, turned lions in and the gladiators and stuff. One of those was there. And his sewer in Caesarea was designed to be filtered and cleansed by the sea. He had a 40-acre ship harbor. And from that city is where they exported and imported a lot of goods. And the gospel went from there a lot. Right out of that harbor, out of that city. When you think Herod, think enormous, brutal. Everything he did was, seemed like, defied nature. Now here is something that you probably know. city called Masada. Masada was one of his fortresses that he built to escape if he ever needs to. Now, I don't have a, a, a slide of it here, but as you, you can see, that end pointing north. By the way, the top of that mansion, fortress, sits 2,000 feet above the Dead Sea. It has, uh, it has an enormous, enormous... I mean, it, you can see it for miles. He, it was a three-tiered palace. You can see it. There's one on top, one lower, and then there was one all the way on the bottom. And this is where he had his beloved Miriam in a see-through glass, her ashes. And if he would get lonely, he would go to Masada and talk to her. That's Herod. There were also hot baths there and cold baths. Mosaic floors. He had some of the... The floors are still there. It's, it's unreal how... I mean, like right there... Yeah. That was right. And he had plaster on the walls. I mean, it... it it was, he had hot baths there, like saunas. And I walked into one of those saunas. And who, he designed those. And it looks like, like it was, it's been designed in 2010. It was... <clears throat> and 
There were huge storehouses there. They uncovered these storehouses here. Uh, Back in in 1943 or 45, they uncovered one more storehouse there. And they found dried figs, still good to eat. I don't know how many of you know the story of, uh, of the last Jewish... Uh, stronghold that they had at 70 AD when they came through and destroyed the the temple and destroyed everything else. This was the last stronghold that the Jews had. And the Jews that were on here were the Zealot Jews and I will hopefully tomorrow uh, speak about them. They were here and to to make a a long story short, Rome was camped around the bottom of this place for two years. They could not enter into the city wall. And they built a ramp, a siege ramp, facing to the east. And to make a long story short, they came up there with a, a battering ram and, and, and rammed in the wall. And the, the zealot Jews were the ones who were so zealous, so zealous, that they said that God said we shall not serve anybody else Never except him alone. So what they did, they decided it is a sin to serve Rome, to be a servant, a slave of Rome. So when they seen after two years, and by the way, they were up there for two years, and Herod had enough food in there that they could easily make it. They say there was enough food in there to feed 10,000 men for 10 years. It was so enormous. His, he, he, has, he has cisterns up there that held 4 million gallons of water each. When the zealot Jews saw that the Romans will come up there and they are going to conquer them, they decided it's better to fall at our own hands than to fall into the hands of a Roman. So what they did, they had a lot, picked 12 men to kill Everybody else except their families. And there were hundreds of them. Those 12 men went through and killed everybody except their families. After them, after then, they exchanged names. And got Ben to kill John's family. And John killed Ben's family. Then there was nobody left but the 12 men. So they drew one lot. And that one man killed the other eleven. Ten. That one man killed the other eleven. And he was left himself and he fell onto his own sword. That's how they fell. When the Romans came up, they found they were all dead. And they wanted them to find them dead with enough food for years yet so the Romans know that they fell because they chose to. No, I didn't mean that. And to this day... In Israel, if you become a, a soldier, you have to, they, they swear an oath that says, Masada will never fall again. It, it, it's a, it's a, a quote that they always use. But this was one of Herod's, I mean, it, it was enormous. Now, he also had, and I don't have a, a, any pictures of this one, he had a, um, a, a palace in, in, in Jericho. Now, in one of those wadis that I, I showed you yesterday, them 
Wadi Canyons with that you know, flood can come in the blink of an eye. He built a big fortress on one side and another big fortress on another side and an a arched bridge going from one to the other. Now this was all B.C. You know, this was all... Um, in, in there, in that one was a marble-floored hall, uh, gardens, dining halls, baths, and he had swimming pools. Herod loved leisure. He has, and his biggest pool, well, we'll get to that one. Um, actually, let's go, go to it right now. Now, his biggest palace and his number one palace, where he always stayed at if he wasn't in, 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 in Jerusalem, there's a mountain to the left back there. Looks like an ice cream cone. That is a man-made mountain. It's called the Herodian. That mountain was made... And by the way, Herod had two-thirds of the nation working for him. So if they clean Herod out of the way, who's gonna, where's our paycheck going to come from? And he knew the more people benefit from his riches, the easier it will be for him to keep his seat. Okay? But he, he wanted the Jews to have the, the, their, 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 their temple. That's why he, he built it for them, because he knew it was very important. He wanted to keep them at, at peace. He wanted the Jews to buy into his view. Okay, now this city here, okay, here's, here's some more, is in the, this, this mansion here, palace, is in the city. This picture, actually I showed you this yesterday, I think. This picture was taken off of that mountain. It's looking east. Bethlehem lies right, right there. Now, I never imagined, never imagined Herod to be like this. And by the way, I want to be, uh, be, 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 be modest in how I, 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 I say this, but you can go home and look what that word means. But Herod got his wealth from a substance that he made. He had the only trees in the Middle East... Scholars say it's all a myth. I mean, it worked. People bought it, and it was very expensive. They bought it, but it's all, all a myth. It was the aphrodisiac of the day. And it was all a myth, but people went nuts. They bought it, and that's how Herod got his money. That's Herod. Okay? That's another view from it, and that's that's the, the, the palace in the bottom. Actually, that's his swimming pool there at the bottom. Up there is where he had his big mansion. Now, here is how it looked. Here's how the ruins still look today up top. Now, that mansion was seven stories. Yes. Aphrodisiac. 
the Viagra of them. Okay. <clears throat> this story was this this mansion was seven stories high. Okay? The eastern tower right here tower is still there, well, in, in ruins. The eastern tower there was 40 feet higher than the seventh story. The upper fortress was 200 feet in diameter. And it was packed with dirt. That's why you got that cone shape of the mountain. The first four stories had dirt out over them. He had gardens, reception halls, Roman baths, and apartments by the hundreds. Now in his lower, lower palace, was his swimming pool. You can see it right there. That swimming pool was 140 foot wide, 200 feet long, and 10 foot deep. And it had steps going in at four ends, at, at, at the four corners. He had a 600-foot colonnade wall around his lower palace. Now, I, I'm just trying to bring you out a picture of Herod. If you think of Herod, I don't know what you always thought. But Herod... Is Herod? I mean, I mean, there's he he done everything he 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 could to defy nature. And anybody who challenged who challenged his his seat without a question, he slaughtered. In Galilee, which is to to, to the north, there were Jews there that he didn't like. And they ran from 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 him, and they and he the and Herod and his men went after them and caught them, and he killed the men, but took the women home to their homes, not his home, to their home, and nailed them on the door doors of their home, and left them there to die. But left the, let the children go. And had no reason. If Herod thought, maybe you are... I mean, I mean he, he killed hundreds of people because maybe that, might, could have, that could have happened. That was Herod. Now turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. I want to read verse 1 through 3. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, where was his main palace? Bethlehem. In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? 
For we have seen His star. What did, did Balaam say about the scepter and the star? We have seen His star in the east and are come to worship Him. Imagine what Herod felt in his heart. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. I mean, if Herod was troubled, everybody was troubled. And after two years, the wise men did not come back. And Herod said, Kill every baby from two years eight, from two, two years down. Make sure the myth that the king of the Jews is born here is dead. Just, just to make sure, kill thousands of them. Maybe we'll get him. That's how Herod thought. Now, when I think of this story, and I think of the Christmas story. I think of the sun setting. The first day Jesus was born. I see the sun setting in the west over the Mediterranean Sea. And there stands a big man-made mountain with a man-made fortress up top. And it casts a shadow. And that shadow goes to this day every evening over the city of Bethlehem as it sets. That's why I call this I call this in the shadow of Herod Jesus was born. Now look at the difference. The creator of the universe for without him there was not one thing made that was made. John. The creator of the universe, the very man that created Herod laid down there in a sheepfold. Smelled like sheep. With a peasant girl. And a godly young man. Down there in the midst of the animals. Lay the creator. Of that evil man. And out comes the conflict. Of Jacob and Esau. Herod was from Edom, Edomia. Jacob, uh, Jesus was from Jacob. Now I want to ask you something. As far as I know, there is not one single stone that I can absolutely say Jesus left. Now there's one synagogue that I argue is the same one, but that's it. Look at Herod. Herod still has all his ruins. You can still find them. And they're in ruins. Now let me, let's look at the difference between those two kings. Herod had palaces. He had, I don't know how to explain. It was bigger and vaster than you can even imagine. The things he did. And if you stand there... <coughs> It's enormous. 
Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. Matthew 8, 20. Jesus saith unto them, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Herod ruled by fear. If anybody even showed an ounce of, of, of maybe I may raise up someday and take his place, Herod killed him and hundreds with him just in case. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. Verse 14 through 18. I am the good shepherd and known of mine and and known of my and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The other sheep I have, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it, take it uh, uh, again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus, okay, now going down to verse 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now look at the difference between the, the ones that followed Herod and the ones that followed Christ. The reasons that they followed. Herod took lives. He took lives without a cause. We just read Jesus didn't take one life. He gave his. Herod had more riches than Rome. They say Herod could have bought out Rome and had $999 left in his pocket. I mean, that's just a metaphor. But they say he, was, he, was, he had way more wealth than Rome. Turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Now Peter and John went up together in, in, in the temple at, at the hour of prayer, being the, the, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the, the, the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, and and upon him with John, and said, Look unto us. And he gave heed unto them. He looked up unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, said, Silver and gold have I none. But But such as I have, I give thee. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The kingdom of God cannot be bought with money. Herod had more, he had more wealth than you can imagine. The little baby that was born in the shadow of the mansion, his, the kingdom that he came to establish could not be bought with money only by his own blood. Herod killed children. Jesus said, let them come unto me. <coughs> Herod had way more than he needed. Jesus had just enough. Herod was concerned about his well-being, his welfare. Jesus gave his life for the welfare of others. Turn to John 6, 51. John 6, 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Herod wanted every ounce of power. He wanted all the power. Turn to Matthew 26, 53. Matthew 26, 53. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of, uh, of angels? Jesus had the power. He had more power than Herod ever could imagine. But he laid it all down. Didn't use it. Herod died. As far as I know, he's still dead. Je Jesus died and he resurrected. The difference between those two, two, two kings, I discovered something in the birth of Christ. Every area of Jesus' life, his birth, his ministry, his death, his ascension, his resurrection and, and ascension, every area of Jesus' life points and, and paints a picture for us of humility, non-resistance, and unconditional love. And I never knew that you could find that in his birth. Well, I knew you could find that he was hum humble. But in the setting, if you study in what setting he was born in, it is portrayed in his birth. The creator of Herod was born not a half a mile from his palace in a sheepfold. Now let's look <coughs> at what we just did. I'll, 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 be, I'll be done in five minutes. Let's look at our own lives now. Herod had, had palaces. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. Is my focus on my home, what I drive, my job, or is it on the kingdom of heaven? I know where Herod's was. First John two six says, "If he, I'm paraphrasing." King King James says, "If you claim to be in Him, you ought so to walk, even as He walked." The Greek says, "Whoever claims to be in Him must walk 
as Jesus walked. Herod ruled by fear. Jesus led by example and love. How about you and I? I'm the youngest in my family. But I have nieces and nephews. How do I lead them? When I take them fishing, do I lead by, by example and love? Herod took lives, Jesus gave his life. Do I give my life for the kingdom of God? And I mean give it wholly. Herod killed children. Jesus blessed them. And let me say one, one thing here. <coughs> Did you know? Now, I know some of you aren't like, like I am. I mean, I can, a stranger is a stranger, so what? I'll still talk. You know, I'm, I'm sure he can talk. But did you know that, you, that a person can tell your spiritual, well, I shouldn't say spiritual condition, but a person can tell you how you use children, how you respond to them. Do you like them in your presence, or do you, because Jesus said, let them come unto me. Herod had way more than he needed. Jesus had just what he needed. Concerned about his wel- welfare, Herod was so concerned about himself, Jesus gave his life for the welfare of others. How much time do I put in for the welfare of my neighbor? Herod wanted all power. Jesus laid down his power. How, how do I? And that's, that's the, the challenge that I want to leave. Is in the birth of Christ there in, in, in Bethlehem. How does that picture of Herod and Jesus being born, lived at the same time, at the same place, which kingdom are you following? Because those were two kingdoms. The one kingdom, Herod's reign, is dead, but the kingdom of Herod is still here. It was born of hell. It's still, still here. Which kingdom are you focused on, and which kingdom do you like to grasp a hold of?